The past year of doing this first season of Solutions found us interviewing dozens of people on the topic of the rising homeless population in Reno, Nevada. We attended panel discussions, local government meetings, outreach events, and even held our own forum. Recently, the West Coast was identified in an Associated Press story as experiencing an epidemic of homelessness. Another report by Professor Philip Alston of New York University for the United Nations said that America is experiencing a crisis of destitution. Alston reports that while America is one of the richest countries, we also experience extreme poverty, which is in stark contrast to our founding fathers' commitments to human rights. A pointed example, Alston says he witnessed a police officer in San Francisco telling a group of homeless people to move on, but the officer was not able to give them an answer as to where they should go. This is the Solutions Podcast, where we examine complex problems and hope to find solutions for them. I am Bob Conrad. such an economic divide, solutions to homelessness look daunting. As part of our reporting, we asked as many people as we could, what are the solutions to homelessness? More than one person pointed to what appears on the surface to be an easy solution, more funding for more services. But when we spoke with homeless advocate Lisa Lee and one of her clients, a homeless man named Stephen, both were philosophical about the situation and pointed to economic and societal disconnects as part of the problem. Homelessness, they say, actually rekindles bonds that can be absent in a disconnected modern society. Philippe Bourgeois talks about this notion of a moral economy of sharing is what he calls it, um, that he witnessed in, you know, houseless communities in San Francisco. And I, I always think of that because I think it is a moral economy of sharing. If someone is hurting or they're cold or whatever. I mean, you do reach out to them. And I think that that is largely absent from modern life. Um, I mean, there's a whole wealth of scholars. George Simmel talked about this in, you know, the turn of the century. But I think um, that that is, a, it's it's a huge problem in modern life. I mean, even um, thinking back to the guy under the bridge um, that had severe frostbite on his legs, how many people had interacted with him and did nothing to help him, right? He would have died under that bridge. And plenty of people were going by there, but there's this certain, like, disconnect with other human beings. Um, and I, I, I can tell you from my personal experience being homeless and wandering around the country and not knowing anybody and being young and showing up in a town and, you know, having to navigate with social anxiety disorder, um, you know, navigate social life, people on the streets were really kind, you know, that they, people did take care of you in a way that doesn't happen in any other setting. And I think it's important to remember that, that people do have like these little thriving, fictive kinships, right? And it becomes even more than community, it's family. I mean, I just had this conversation with this guy in the camp 
um, last Wednesday, you know, and we were talking like, is it family? Is it community? What is it? It is family. It's, if it's a familial yeah. thing, right? Those are your brothers, your sisters, pops, right? Um, that you form these really important and valuable human connections that um, it's just different, right? And you wouldn't ask somebody to, to leave their family or take them away from their family. This is Stephen. People can walk by a homeless person passed out on the sidewalk, in a doorway, something like that, and you sit across the street from her, up the road a little bit, and watch it, you know, and one person out of 20 maybe will stop. And, you know, you become invisible. It's like, nobody wants to see you. It's, you know, it's, that's way too complex for me to get involved with. You know, and they just keep right on going. The disconnection that Stephen and Lisa are talking about is something a program called Crossroads is trying to address. Crossroads is a program of Washoe County, which encompasses Reno and Sparks, Nevada, The program has seen success both in keeping people off the streets, but also in saving taxpayer dollars. Crossroads is a tiered housing approach. That's Amber Howe, director of the county's Human Services Agency. So how we go about addressing substance abuse, mental health, homelessness, serial inebriate, those types of conditions uh, and challenges that clients and citizens are facing is to first put them in housing. That's the first and foremost important thing is that people have a roof over their head and also food, uh, warmth. And so we try and take care of their basic needs first. And then once we have taken care of those two things, then we start wrapping services around them through substance abuse, mental health, job, you know, employment, those types of things. So Crossroads is really an upside down model to most substance abuse treatment facilities. And what I mean by that is typically you would go into a substance abuse residential treatment for 30, 60, 90 days, whatever the cookie cutter approach is, and then you are discharged. And once you're discharged, then you start looking for housing and employment and that sort of thing. So this really takes all of that out of it. And that's where really the stressors come in is once you're discharged from a typical substance abuse treatment facility, you then have to then overcome all of those other barriers. So what Crossroads tries to do is create basic needs first. And as they progress through the system, they are still maintaining their housing, their food, that sort of thing. Um, getting all the services provided, and then they start their job employment, which ends up with a position where they start paying rent back uh, to the facility and their treatment program costs. Crossroads boasts a successful model, one even heralded by Hillary Clinton during her presidential election campaign. The success with after people leave, it's hard to continue tracking and because they have started full-time employment and moved on with their lives. This is Clint Player, a Washoe County Sheriff's deputy who works out of Crossroads. Um, there are a few that do come back, and we understand that because with um, addiction, um, you're going to have falls, and this is their safe place. So they may not have been in the right place the first time they came through, but they know exactly where to go to get the help they need um, the next time. Um, So that is one thing we really like to focus on, that um, they're welcome back. Um, Because we know life is tough, and we don't know what all gets thrown at them once they leave here. 
but we do have an alumni program, so we've got a lot of clients that come back and actually teach um, the clients that are here now um, in AA Bible studies, um, and they come and meet with all the clients here. So it's uh, that collaboration from the clients that are employed here to help out and um, the ones that come back and help too. So A client, Daniel, explains how Crossroads has helped him. You know, we prayed upon my grandpa in all honesty because he was receiving a check and we were taking his social security from him. There was no food in the house. We were dealing drugs, doing drugs. And, you know, basically, um, like I said, doing what drug addicts do in order to survive, which is use other people, you know. But by coming here to Crossroads, they've given me the ability to quit valuing things and using people. But instead, now I tend to value people and learn how to use things, you know. Um, this is probably the greatest thing that um, I've, the greatest thing I've ever been gifted in my life. You know, I tell people when they ask me what Crossroads is, I tell them it's miracles and blessings. You know, the blessings are the people who came before me and gifted this program. The miracles are the people that I get to watch walk through these doors and they're disoriented, they're confused, they don't know where they're headed in life. And I get to watch the light come on in those people's eyes and that's a miracle right there to me. As successful a model that Crossroads is, the program has an extensive wait list. The facility could quadruple in size and still not have enough beds or financial support. We also spoke with the Reno Chief of Police, Jason Soto, and Sergeant Wade Clark. For them, the police have strived to provide a more social service role rather than being punitive toward the homeless. I think one of the big challenges that... that, um... This is Chief Soto that we face as a community uh, when it, in, in terms of homelessness is resources. You know, what type of resources do we have out there available to somebody who is trying to get on their feet? And then the same goes for those that are service resistant and, and don't want any help. What type of professional uh, help do we have out there outside of law enforcement and uh, what, we provide, what we provide? Typically what you've seen in the past is... You know, you get a a homeless individual and the police are called. We respond to the scene. And um, once we get there, we try and figure out what it is that, um, what level of uh, services uh, any given individual needs and how to address that. When there's not a lot of resources out there, it can make it difficult. Um, But I think we, you know, for the most part, we do a a pretty good job in terms of... um, in terms of getting these individuals help. The police departments, since we do a lot of the problem solving, a lot of that... Um, this is Sergeant Clark. ...and a lot of the resources since we're in the community kind of falls on our shoulders. And what we've been trying to do recently is say, look, this is a community problem, this is a social problem, and it's not something that the police are going to be able to uh, cite, arrest, and our way out of because if we cite or arrest a homeless person, they're still going to be homeless. So how do we impact that long term? How do we connect them with resources to where we help them with what their current needs are, which would be housing, if it's mental health, uh, any of the addiction process, uh, job, uh, ID. So we've partnered with 
Catholic Charities, Kids to Seniors Corner, uh, Project Restart, Nevada Hopes is a huge partner of ours where we can go out and get them the medical needs, the mental health needs that will hopefully get them back on their feet and get started uh, and start moving them forward. And the city has a huge stake in that. So we, we constantly meet with the city to come up with new ideas, new town hall meetings to even our own trial and error. We started off with uh, two officers and we noticed that uh, their people are a little bit more resistant to people in uniform. So we started adding in one of our most workers, which is our mobile uh, outreach safety team, which deals with mental health. It's where officers are paired with a mental health therapist and they ride around in cars dealing with people in mental health crisis. And we saw, oh, hey, they're starting to open up a little bit more. There's reports that start to get built. So that's when we approached uh, different people in the community, bringing them out and bringing the resources to the people rather than tell the people, hey, go to Project Restart, go to Catholic Charities, go to KSK. We noticed people weren't. And so when we go and talk with people, and it's all about having a conversation. These are people. These are our citizens, whether they, they're housed or they're houseless. And so we have those conversations saying, hey, what do you need? Oh, I need a driver's license but you know, or an ID card to get a job. Well, but we can't do this, this, and this, and I can't get into Catholic Charities. Oh, hey, I got somebody from Catholic Charities right here. They start the paperwork. They start the process. So we've literally gone out and the main resources that we that we utilize and we try and refer to are with us when we do outreach and those some of the bigger outreaches and we bring that to the person to try and break down all those barriers that we can and we still struggle and it's if there was a solution to uh, you know being houseless or homeless in this nation or in the world we'd probably be focusing on it and and following that same blueprint so i think just like other communities in the nation we are trying to look at absolutely everything, not say no to any idea, and try and figure out what's best for our community and safest for our people. One of the challenges, one of the unique challenges, I think, for the Reno area, um, a lot of cities and communities don't have, and that is, is that we truly are a 24-hour town, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you have activity um, going on in our city all the time. It never stops. Um, and other communities that we've met with, um, their challenges are during certain times and um, Reno's just is different. So we've met with other 24-hour towns, if you will, such as Southern Nevada. Uh, certainly spoke uh, at length with uh, Las Vegas and some of their challenges that they have as well um, when it comes to um, that demand for services. Um, but, you know, the, the casinos are open 24 hours a day, and um, they certainly, I'm sure, at times have, you know, homeless going in there to stay warm. Um, and I understand. I mean, I mean, it's freezing out there. Um, but it's it's a good question. Yes, we have reached out to other cities. Um, some of the successes I, I think that we've had. I mean, if you look at our at our shelter at our homeless center, it's it's pretty nice, um, and and they they do a pretty darn good job of um, structuring that so that there's rules in place, and you know it's it's a system. You know, it's certainly a system, and it's certainly coordinated. There's coordinated efforts. Um, but the challenge is growth. 
A problem facing the police is one of resources. The department staffing levels are where they were in the 1990s, despite the size and population of the city rapidly expanding since that time. Others we spoke with cited affordable housing as a growing problem, one that just in the past year or two made Reno simply unaffordable for many, even those working full-time or having more than one job. Reno's many weekly motels have also become unaffordable for those bordering on homelessness. The weeklies now serve, in part, as more housing for workers at the Tesla Gigafactory outside of Reno, which needs more employees than the region has housing for. One motel owner we spoke with had his operation shut down by the city. He claims discrimination, but the city cites the property owner's lax adherence to basic building and safety codes. When we start this business over here, sir, we have uh, uh, 24,000 rooms in Reno at the time, in 1994. This is Khalid Ali, who wants to be part of the solution. He says that his relationship with the city makes his options limited. The city has made noted efforts to get rid of Reno's worst weeklies. Fortunately, the, there's a population explode right now because Tesla is coming, Apple is coming, all these major, lead, major leading companies are coming. But the population go way up. I believe it's a 318,000 is right now. But when we get into this business, it was a 250,000 population for the Washoe County. But the inventory was there for 24,000 rooms were available at the time. But by the time the city started all these messing with this code enforcement law for this and law for that, the bottom line is all these big motor, small motors were shut down by one way or another. So the end result is right now we have only 17,000 rooms available in the market. So if the 17,000 rooms are available, so what we do, as McKenzie, Mr. McKenzie put it in a council meeting, that for the last three years, we're just talking. That's why we're doing it. We didn't do nothing about these problems. Those providing direct services to the homeless say that the solution to homelessness is really a myriad of solutions. Aria Overly works with Acting and Community Together in Northern Nevada, an organization that advocates for the homeless. We need some community organizing, you know, and that's partly my job. But I think also our city council needs to sort of take on that perspective a little more, too. Um, It means going out and talking to people, getting them to see their self-interest. I mean, lack of affordable housing is not just affecting the homeless. It's not just affecting the low-income people. It's affecting all of us. Um, As someone who just recently got my master's degree and I'm now in the workforce and me and my husband are looking for a place to live, we're, we're struggling and I have... I have a great job, my dream job right now, and when we're living with my in-laws right now, I don't know how we're going to be able to afford to live in Reno for much longer. Um, This is an issue that really affects everyone, and um, it's our job as citizens and as city council members and as government workers to be going out and talking to people and getting them to see what their self-interests are and getting them to see why that this is important to them. She wants to see more support from the local business community. I think um, a big part of the concern that I'm seeing with this is that the city council, I think very much, and local government officials, um, and I think this is really the state that we live in, the, the environment we live in, see it not as the government's job, but as private enterprise's job to fix these problems. And I think that's a big part of the problem because, I mean, historically and economically speaking, private enterprise has not solved these problems. It just hasn't happened that way. And I, I think it's great, all the development and stuff that's happening and coming into Reno, and there's nothing we should do to try to stop that from happening. But we should also be taking more proactive steps as a community to fix the problems that these private enterprises are not themselves solving. One nonprofit, the Community Health Alliance, provides health services to the underserved. It, too, wants to see more resources and people using them. 
This is Afton Newfield. We're really trying to get um, more services into even our Record Street Health Center to where, you know, folks can access more than just our um, medical services. So we do have our pharmacy. We have a little um, pharmacy in that health center as well, um, just so we can make sure that we can get folks their medications right then and there. Um, But yeah, we definitely are hoping to expand our services more. Another solution to the problem of homelessness is, actually, the act of covering the issue as a journalist. Nico Columban is on faculty at the University of Nevada's Journalism School. He coordinates a student-focused reporting project, OurTownReno.com. Here is Nico explaining the site's efforts. I would say, you know, the power of uh, social media and good storytelling or storytelling that doesn't always exist because a lot of times we'll have very interesting comments, people having dialogues, people having, you know, constructive disagreements and coming to sort of ideas together or even readers going, finding about someone through social media and because it's such a small town, going to meet that person and becoming their friend. And one time somebody even offered uh, housing It's actually happened a few times. People read about someone and then they go and get housing for this person or sometimes bring a meal or sometimes uh, bring donations or it brings people uh, doing similar projects to talk to each other and to also advance their own knowledge. So I find the, the, the power of social media to be very impressive and I'm, I'm very impressed by the readers of Our Town Reno, how generous they are, how, how you know, committed they are to making Reno a better place. So that's really impressed me with the work of Our Town Reno so far. One anonymous informant to Our Town Reno contributed video documenting the conditions inside the temporary overflow shelter, conditions that have since been at the forefront of some public discussions directly as a result of Our Town Reno's stories. Lastly, a houseless woman we spoke with was very blunt about what could solve homelessness. We met Pam, not her real name, in episode one. Here is more from our conversation. Um, one thing I like to see people who who say they care, um, and I I'm sorry I don't really believe people when they say they care, and I don't care if you care. Frankly, I don't care how much you care. Your caring doesn't help me. Sympathetic gazes don't help me. If you give me a dollar because you care, that doesn't help me. But if you say you care, and if you want to know what to do about homelessness, then Get rid of all your credit cards, all your money, everything you have, all your friends' phone numbers, all the resources that you've got. Have nothing for one month. And I bet you if all the people who claim they care would actually do that for one month, we won't have a homeless problem anymore. During the course of this season, we even made our own attempt to work on one aspect of homelessness in Reno. As we heard from Reno City Council member Neoma Jarden in the last episode, tiny homes can be a helpful short-term solution for some houseless individuals. We offered to help promote a crowdsourced fundraising campaign to build those tiny homes, hopefully in the near future. To date, more than $60,000 has been raised out of an initial $100,000 goal. It's a fact that many American citizens simply do not have a place to live or an adequate means to make a decent living. More than a half million people in this country do not have a safe place to live on any given day. But this isn't new. Homelessness has been documented in America since 1640. According to the National Coalition for the Homeless, the national poverty rate in the U.S. in 2016 was nearly 13%. As we reported in Episode 1, 
Homelessness nationally has been decreasing since 2007, but Nevada, particularly in the state's largest cities, Reno and Las Vegas, the situation is getting worse. This trend appears along the west coast of the United States. California, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, and even Alaska continue to see rising homeless populations. We are a nation defined in part by both wealth and opportunity as well as extreme poverty, but where some critics fall short is that they blame that poverty on the willpower of individuals. We hope that this season of solutions has demonstrated that the problem is far more complex than that. In short, despite the best intentions of many, homelessness does not appear to be going away anytime soon. hope you enjoyed season one of Solutions. This is our final episode, and I anticipate returning in the spring with a brand new season and a completely different topic. If you like Solutions, please give us a review on iTunes or share this podcast on social media. It really does help and only takes a few minutes. If you can help donate to the Reno Tiny Homes Project mentioned in this episode, please visit bit.ly forward slash Reno Tiny Homes. That's bit.ly or bit.ly forward slash Reno Tiny Homes. 